Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and I am stoked on this one. It is with a lord by the name of Brooke McDonald. Uh, Brooke is a he's a member of the Gypsy gang, not only as an interview guest, but he is also a listener of the podcast. He's one of us people, literally one of the Gypsy gang on both fronts. Uh, he has had a pretty insane 12 months. Uh, Brooke broke his back uh, this time last year at World Champs. And basically, we spoke to him right after he ended up racing the World Champs uh, this year. So he has an incredible, incredible story. I'm so stoked we were finally able to get him on. Really wanted to do this one in person. And I feel like Brooke is going to make the trip over at some point uh, when it is possible to do so. Uh I've got three epic mountain bike podcasts that are already done, recorded, and ready to drop. We're going to be dropping them all this week. Uh, and with that, we've also got a couple of new uh, sponsors that I'm stoked to shout out. Uh, if you have been following the podcast for a while, you would have noticed that I've been running some pretty cool new bags with the old Gypsy Tales logo on it. Uh, we're not making our own bags, but Johnny and his team at Lusty are uh, making their own bags now it is called albeck co and it is innovative adventure luggage in every sense of the word now if you're familiar with lusty industries you would know that they are pretty savage in the bag game uh, they've basically seen it all they've seen all the warranty claims that have come in on bags over the years they've seen uh, the good the bad the ugly and now they've turned that into their own brand it officially launches this month and i'm so so pumped to have guys in australia in you know in our market making products that are going to take on the world market i think that is massive uh johnny and his team have put in just a huge effort over the last couple of years to make uh to make this happen so so excited you can go and follow them on instagram at albeck co a l b e k co uh and follow along for the drop there's going to be plenty of information we're going to be doing our own bags with the guys as well so super excited about that pumped for that drop we're brought to you as well today by a new sponsor, The Legends at Ride Wrap. If you want to follow along while I'm talking, whip out your phone, open up Instagram to at Ride Wrap. And man, I wish these guys were around when I was a grommet. Remember buying my first 
serious downhill mountain bike intense m1 and dad would just say mate all you're gonna do is go and throw that down a pile of rocks and that's exactly what happened smash the frame smash the paint and i just wish that ride wrap was around back then this is truly a product that is born out of necessity now the core product is uh, clear protective wraps they have different degrees of protection uh, their tailored protection product is specific to each model and size and it offers up to 95% of frame coverage that is barely noticeable. Now, if you go on at RideWrap on Instagram, you'll be able to see uh, their product in action. You buy a new bike, you spend all this money, the the stock colorways, everything that they uh, these bike manufacturers are making these days is so good, and you sort of don't really want to kind of ruin that aesthetic. But with RideWrap, clear protective coating just goes over the top, and you're sorted. So... For more information, all you need to do is head to RideWrapCA or follow them on Instagram at RideWrap. We're also brought to you by the guys at Crush Oz. Coming back to where it all began, uh, these were basically our first ever sponsor and I hit up the gang and I said, boys, we've got a couple mountain bike drops, we've got to get you back on. I got sent their bike bucket kit as the first ever like sponsorship thing of the podcast. I still have that bucket in my shed. I've had to update the products as I went through them, but man, these guys have absolutely nailed it. The bike care bucket comes with everything that you need. It's got like a brush. It's got uh, the bike wash. It's got the, uh, like the aftercare spray. It is insane. The products that they do, it's all made here in Australia. They're an epic company they support mountain biking like nobody else in the industry and it's not just uh for mountain bike products i mean other admittedly i don't wash my mountain bike that much to be honest but my moto i absolutely dig into that thing every time i ride it and i get great joy out of having a clean bike and crush oz products help make that possible if you want to get yourself a bike wash bucket all you need to do is head to crushoz.com Righto, just got to quickly read through some of these uh, other sponsors that are with us every episode. Thank you to the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au. The guys at Crick's Tweed, you can head to crickstweed.com.au. They are still giving away that KTM 450, but time is running out. All you have to do is buy a new or used vehicle from Crick's. Big shout out to Sammy at Fist, the glove lord himself. You can head to fisthandwear.com. Dixon Flannel dropped their DBK flannel today. Shout out to Twitch to homie. Uh, you can also head to rivalinkdesignco.com to get your graphics sorted for your new 2021 model. And we are also brought to you by the legends at Maxxis Tires and Motorex Oils, which reminds me, I need to do an oil change on the 350. All right, thank you so much for sticking with me on that. Thank you to all our awesome sponsors. Thank you to our awesome listeners, Gypsy Gang for life. And now I bring you Brooke McDonald. Brooke McDonald, what's up, dog? Yo. What's going on, bro? Locked down, eh? Lockdown and uh, two weeks of isolation. So, yeah, just uh, spending my time wisely. How um how long have you been uh, have you been in there for, and how long have you got to go? Uh, this is my sixth day now. So I've oh. got uh, what I got nine, eight, eight or nine more days to go. 
shit and how's it going in there you're doing as good as you thought is it harder than you thought is it easier what's the where, where you at well to be honest it's actually quite nice because i mean from the year i've had it's uh it's it's been nothing but full-on so um just to actually like be able to well have to not do much is good but um yeah i'm pretty lucky i got like a um a really nice hotel with with good food and uh, like a good area to go out and chill so um yeah i got lucky with that but yeah i mean i'm starting to um starting to get bored now and yeah i mean like an athlete being stuck inside is not easy mm. um yeah i was just had jack moyer on and he was <clears throat> he was saying how dog shit the food is and like he can't really get <laughs> Can't really get Uber Eats and stuff, so I think he's on Struggle Street. But he's got the Xbox hooked up, so he's just going into the uh, he's just going into the gaming world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think he probably got the shittest um, place of all of us. Mm. Um, I was speaking on the other day, and he said, "Yeah, the food's dog shit," and uh, I don't even think he can go outside either. Mm -mm. Yeah. How's that? So, what that's, have you got? Have you tough. got? Have you got a um? Have you got like a balcony and shit that you can go out, or they let you outside? Outside? No, they they actually let us outside. Like they've got this big, big barriers up around um the whole of the hotel. So mm. like, um yeah, we can go out from like six a.m. till eight p.m. and we just got to tell them our room number when we go out and come back in. So it's pretty, pretty basic, and we can spend as much time as we want out there. So it's pretty good. Dude, what a fucking weird year, eh? 2020 coming at you. I know. Fuck, it's uh, it's been crazy. Well, I mean, so 2019 wasn't exactly fun for you either. <laughs> so you've uh, no. you've you've uh, you've had a couple back to back that have been a bit strange. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess like the end of 2019 coming into 2020 was was uh, pretty weird for me. But I guess um. For me, like the whole fact of what I went through for the 2020 season was pretty good because I was basically motivated to get back to being a normal person again. And um, yeah, I didn't struggle with anything. So I kind of just had like my, you know, just a, a goal set that I wanted to achieve and, you know, nothing really bothered me throughout the whole quarantine and mm. the change of, of the world. So yeah, it's it's been, um, it's been pretty good, but up until I started racing, uh, yeah, things started to change. Yeah, so maybe we should probably start. I mean, I don't know how sick of the whole injury thing you're, you are, you know, talking about it, but maybe we should start there to give people an idea of what you had to go through. Um, where was world? Was it world champs last year? Yeah, world champs last year. So literally twelve months ago, um, you yep. were on on the hill, had a fucking big one and your life pretty much changed yeah yeah that's exactly what happened life changed couldn't feel my legs um got yeah got chucked over the hangers just over a probably like a three four meter rock roll um and i pretty much fell from the top straight onto onto my backs on a slide uphill um pretty pretty hard ground and yeah and bounced off into the side of the ditch and was instantly in in agony tried to roll over and i was like what the fuck like couldn't roll over what was going on like i was like trying to move my feet my legs and nothing was working and i was like fuck this is not good 
And um, yeah, from there, I, I endured a pretty long day. Um, they got me off of this, off of the track, and then onto the side of the hill. Um, that's been uh, pre- pretty much the um, afternoon there, so so five hours until helicopter turned up and took me off the hill. And in that five hours, I was sort of messed around with yeah, the helicopter's turning up now. I can see it. Um, it's coming, and I'd be like, oh, sick! Like looking up in the sky. No fucking helicopter. <laughs> minimal pain medication so like from when the accident happened till i got into hospital i was still in so much pain um and yeah it was just a it was just a massive fuck up on uh the the organizers and and the uci of the whole um getting me off of the hill because in that time they they hadn't had a um a heli evacuation in 29 years so i guess they kind of thought well you know 29 years we haven't had anything we're not going to have mm. anything you know in the in the present so yeah and, and the biggest thing was that that um the pilot was was on standby 45 minutes away from the helicopter I'm not saying it's his his fault but yeah. this is the situation um so yeah by the time he got to the helicopter he got you know his crew there was an hour there. Um, so yeah, it was just a, it was a fucking ball ache. And then like when I was leaving my, my girlfriend and, and team manager was at the hospital and they asked if uh, they knew of a guy coming in with an injury, a spinal injury. And they're like, yep, yep. We heard that. He's like, they were like, yeah, he's coming in um, by helicopter. And they're like, well, it's not coming here because our helipads, um, out of action because they were renovating the hospital so oh. I had to detour to the airport and then fucking take a 20 minute ambulance ride from the airport to the hospital dude that's so, so hectic um, yeah. yeah it was fucking the worst day of my life by far yeah I mean it makes sense <laughs> yeah and then um, then I got to hospital and they did started doing examinations on me um put some uh put some ketamine in me and then that was uh when everything went away my i fucking left my whole body and went to like mars and was walking around on the moon and shit just crazy shit it was fucking mental but Dude, um, isn't it crazy yeah, when, that, I, when i isn't it crazy that people do ketamine for fun i would never do that for fun <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking crazy though After, people actually take ketamine and they're like it's a good time for them I know. Fuck, it wasn't a good time for me. Holy shit. Dude, that's fucking crazy. And so, can you, like, you can remember, um, you can remember, like, the actual, like, the trip, essentially, when you were on that shit, or what? Yeah, like, fuck, it was pretty gnarly, too, because actually dosed me up on that, and then they'd stuck a finger up my ass as well, so it was like, (laughs) <laughs> the whole situation of like being on ketamine going into the k-hole and having a finger stuck up my ass was just next level like was like sitting there like whoa fucking like clenching my ass because like obviously that's a test they do to see if you've you've still got that um yeah like the reflex if your um nerves and muscles are still working yeah yeah the reflex so i mean yeah when he did that it was a that was a good sign because the reflexes were still working, but 
Yeah, <laughs> not a good time of uh, being put on ketamine and doing that at the same time. Yeah, dude. Had you like did did you know much about ketamine in general like before that? No, no, never. I I I obviously heard of the K hole, but you know, never. No one's ever really explained to me what the K hole was was like and what it you know what experience it was. Yeah, how would you describe? Because I've never done it. How would you describe it? I mean, like, yeah, I literally left my body and was on the fucking moon. You know how, like, the moon has, like, those big crater holes? Yeah. I was, like, walking through those, like, just fucking cruising around the moon on the space dust, kicking the space dust around. It was it was mental. Wow. But so, like, but it yeah. wasn't a good, like, so you'd say it wasn't a good experience, though? I guess it wasn't wasn't a great experience because i was getting the finger up my ass at the same time but like that experience of being on space was was pretty cool because like obviously it took away all the pain from mm. my back as well yeah so i kind of just forgot about all of that yeah that's hectic but, yeah i've never yeah yeah i've never thought that you know there's well i mean obviously there's like the medical application of it but you hear so many people that just do ketamine as like a you know like a recreate I guess fuck it seems it's too intense to be recreational like i feel like that's like a that's almost like a <laughs> psychedelic experience you know and like any psychedelic yeah definitely is, you're not like you know i'm definitely not racing out to do like multiple grams of mushrooms every day because it's just too much <laughs> like it's a lot there's a lot on yeah definitely i mean i would never do it just for you know day-to-day -day usage <laughs> of drug for sure not because like yeah, the fucking experience I had was like, that was enough for me. <laughs> yeah, well, you've done it now, dude. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. get back there again. Oh, Yeah, dude. I've been into that K-hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hip I'm definitely not rushing out to fucking get amongst today. Nah, nah, definitely not. <laughs> oh, so yeah, the it, it's crazy, like, downhill's so fucking dangerous. Like, it's very obvious when you watch it, you're like, oh if they crash that could go extremely wrong but for the most part yeah. it's super safe at the level that you guys do it like you just you really don't see crazy injuries and even when there there is big crashes um but there was obviously like a huge flaw in the uci's um i guess like processes of making that shit happen because it's a that's at the world champs like that's the biggest event in the world and you'd expect that that's the event where dudes will be hanging it out the most oh for sure bro and like i mean to have two doctors on the hill when there's like downhill practice and cross-country racing going on it's fucked like i mean doesn't matter how much it costs you to have doctors on the hill you need more than two doctors when there's two two races going on because mm. i mean the doctor never turned up to me until an hour and a half with pain relief mm. because they were attending some other people like what the fuck mm. and normally like more more so in europe europe is a lot better a lot better run um you know you can have a helicopter within a person to a person within 10 to 12 minutes whereas there they like obviously they told me that if your if your injury is life-threatening they'll have a rescue they'll have the army there within 20 to 30 minutes if it's not life-threatening you know it'd be about an hour 
bit over an hour. Mm. But they didn't fucking know if my my injury was life threatening. They didn't know if I had internal bleeding or how bad my mm. my spinal injury was. So, you know, well that shit pisses me off. And like, yeah, I hate I hate thinking about it and talking about it because like it just boils my blood. Because I've never had one single apology from anyone at the UCI. Like, mm. it's just shit, bro. Like, it just pisses me off. And you know, we kind of just get walked over by those guys um for other stuff as well so like i mean i hate to say it but yeah i'm i'm definitely not fans of them after what i what i went through yeah i mean it makes sense and i would that was gonna be one of my questions is like did they come to you and just say like oh how could we have made this better like is there you know did they reevaluate their processes going forward or bro to be honest they didn't do anything like i did a podcast with uh, uh, HKT guy. Oh, Davey, yeah. Yeah, Davey. Um, and I, on the hour, was just open and honest about what happened and like how pissed off I was. Mm. And then the UCI, one of the guys come to me and like called me and was like, you know, sorry this happened. I, I messaged you, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I never got a message. I never got an email apologizing, mm. nothing. And I said to him, look, like, I think, the two biggest things that I want to see happen is like one that we need to know the, the medical procedure of, um, you know, sorry, the evacuation of, of what's going to happen at a race event, mm. um, of like, so, you know, so riders are comfortable and confident that, you know, they'll be taken off the hill, you know, in the safest, most safest possible way and, you know, efficiently as well. So, that was my biggest concern, like making it happen. And then, you know, I turned up to world champs and I asked the writers rep about it. If they've ever, if he heard anything about it and nothing heard about it. And then I, I sort of piped up about it and, um, told the organizer at Leo gang about it. And he was like, yeah, no, we haven't heard anything. He was straight on to, on the blower to the UCI. And then the next day they released a evacuation procedure, mm. like of what's going to happen. So, you know, just. I felt like they didn't give a shit. Like, they didn't really care about me. Yeah, I mean, it, that is fucking pretty hectic to, you know, like, the writers are the, the show. Like, that's literally all that you're sort of exactly. there for, you know? Yeah, bro. And, and we, you know, I feel like we kind of just get walked over sometimes because, you know, at the end of the day, we just want to race our bikes and put on a show for everyone. But, mm. you know, we also want to want to be safe and have a safe environment and, you know, rules that work for us as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at in moto, um, you've got like the Asterix medical crew and it's just insane. The level of, um, efficiency and they've got multiple doctors, they've got physios, they've got all of these, you know, then they've got trainee nurses. Like it's such a well-organized machine. And I mean, dude, I know that there's guys that would be dead if it wasn't for the Asterix medical unit and that's what's so crazy to think of is that like legitimately it saved lives yeah i mean that's that's so cool and i've seen that from the moto side of it um it's it's pretty awesome but yeah i mean like when we're racing in europe we're pretty lucky they have a like the organizers really do a great job of putting on um a solid evacuation plan and medical with doctors and stuff like that so we're pretty lucky there but i guess mount saint anne just obviously with their 29 years of not having to have a helicopter turn up there 
mm. they kind of just went about it as like, yeah, 29 years has been nothing happened, so there's not going to be anything going to happen this year sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I just um, I just think like you don't turn up to a, an event and have two doctors and a helicopter that's not on, well, that's on call, but the pilot's 45 minutes away in a different story if he was at the, you know, hangar mm. where the helicopter was you know, 20 minute flight, I would have been off the hill. Mm. And spinal injuries. Like, I mean, I'm sure you know this now as somebody that's like lived through the experience, but like those first few hours are so crucial in the actual recovery time and, and the damage that you're left with. And it's like the, the reaction time, it's like every minute is so valuable um, to the long-term recovery of somebody that's experienced that trauma. Yeah, sure, sure, bro. I honestly, that was the biggest thing that I wanted was I need to get off this hill, get me a helicopter because they tried to take me down in a fucking quad on the back of this trailer with a with a <laughs> stretcher. And um, yeah, Wynn and Blinky were like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Get him off of there. So they got me off and I was like, you, you guys need to call a helicopter right now. I know how serious this injury is and I just wanted to be off the hill because... Yeah, by the time I'd finished up that day, it was like 11 o'clock and I couldn't have been operated on until the morning. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's pretty crucial with a spinal cord injury. Every minute counts and, you know, who knows what, you know, four hours, five hours could have done before if I had surgery that day, you know, mm. what, what, what could have been done. But, I mean, you know, I'm just lucky to be able to walk again and, and um, you know, race my bike yeah um what um like that feeling man of laying on the track and being like holy fuck my legs don't work like i think that everybody that rides bikes whether it's mountain bike or moto or does any sort of you know two-wheeled sort of activity that's like pretty much the worst case scenario that you can think of and i mean i know that i've thought about that shit like that that moment that you've gotten even when i had that crash a few months ago like my legs weren't working properly and it was just because of some swelling yep. in the end but I, I remember it was like a week and i went back to the hospital after a week because i was like i still can't fucking walk like i can't use my legs properly and i could walk but i'm like dragging my feet around and mum's like that's this is fucking bad and then when i was in hospital and the doctor come in and he's like it could be this this and this talking about like you know like a spinal cord injury I was laying on that bed before the MRI, just fucking peeking, cunt. Like, that was the worst, that was the worst, like, headspace I've probably ever been in in my life because you're staring down the barrel of, of your legs not working. And when it's, yeah. that's like what we do, man, like, as, you know, active guys that are, you know, ch doing these kind of sports. So, like, do you remember being on the floor and just, like, having that realization? Because, like, the, you'd obviously have the pain, but then I'm sure on another level completely, it's like you'd be blocking out the pain and being like, holy fuck, my legs don't work. Yeah, I guess, I guess for me, I was like, I sort of just had a different frame of mind of like approaching it. Cause like, fuck that I was in the pain I was in was, was excruciating. I honestly had never been in pain that much. So like, I think like that kind of, took the edge off of me thinking about fuck you know this could be my career over like this is me done mm. sort of thing i think um the pain really blocked that out because i was just thinking about like okay 
I know how serious this is. I just want to get off the hill. Um, but yeah, that yeah, the the pain that I was in was fucking next level, and I think that kind of blocked out that whole thing. But you know, from like from then, I was pretty pretty optimistic that I was going to fucking walk again. Like, I just didn't have that thought in my head. Like, yeah, oh, fuck you, fuck. Like, you're not going to mm. walk again. You know, um, yeah, I was kind of just like, if it if it did happen, then fuck, you know, it is what it is. I you know, I've got to deal with this, but. Yeah, I think I was I was pretty open minded about like yeah, fucking I'm, I'm gonna walk the game one day and like whether it's gonna be in fucking three days time or three weeks time, like, you know, I just kind of already had like started planning forward of like what I was gonna do, what my goals were gonna be, you know, all that mm. sort of shit which really really helped me to get to where I am today. Mm. And then like what when you talk about that pain, like where was the pain? Like, was it a, even a pain that you could actually describe going through when you look back at it? Yeah, I, it's, it's definitely a hard pain to describe. It was like in the place where I broke my back. So like my lower thoracic and I don't know if it was like, I don't know if it was the pain from the bone sitting on the spinal cord or like the actual break. Um, obviously i couldn't feel my legs so there was no pain in there it was just all my back mm. but yeah it's it was it's definitely a hard hard pain to describe because it was just like real sharp shooting pains like just like you know like those that the pain where you kind of hold your breath yeah for a long time because it's that fucking painful yeah, yeah i wonder with stuff like that whether because it's like a broken bone <clears throat> should be a broken bone right like i've heard I broke my wrist and you snap your wrist and then it like it fucking hurts, but it just, it is what it is. Like you can deal with it, but then, yeah. you know, you have that, that kind of pain. I imagine so much of the, the actual pain itself would just come from, um, like your body trying to stop you from moving and just like completely yeah. immobilize you. And like, you know, when you go through something so serious where it's like, you've lost feeling, you got an injury to your spinal cord, like, because you think about it in like evolutionary terms, like let's take away hospitals, mountain bikes, let's take away everything. Let's say you're like caveman Brook and you got, you fell off a fucking cliff and you've broken, like you had the injury that you had. You're fucked, like full dead. There's just no, oh, big time. <laughs> like yeah. there's no coming back from that. Like, so um, your body would just be full freak out mode of like, you're in this much pain until you die. Die. Yeah, exactly. And it's like so that'd hectic. be a fucking slow, slow death. Can you imagine that shit? Like having to go through what you went through with like no doctors, no nothing. Yeah, I fucking couldn't imagine. Well, I went through five hours of fucking sitting on a hill. Yeah, I suppose you did. Doing for that. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of, kind of, uh, you know, a, a little bit of it. But yeah, I couldn't imagine not having, you know, any of that and just you know, being there fucking lying paralyzed. But yeah, it's mad. Like the feeling, like when I tried to roll over, it was fucked because I was like, why the fuck, you know, my leg's not working. And it was just like, you know, my brain was like, lift your legs, lift your legs. But like, mm. I was, you know, my brain was trying to tell my legs to move, but they weren't moving. Yeah, it's pretty mad. Yeah, no, nah, no thanks, man. I'm, uh, nah. I'd rather hear you talk about it than go through all that's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's like, it's fucking crazy. Cause like, 
you know, as much as I wish it didn't happen, I was like, yeah, this is, this has been a fucking time in my life where I've like realized like how grateful I am to be able to walk, to be able to ride my bike, just to be able to, to live like, fuck, you know, starting to walk again, like it was like being a toddler again, like having to learn to do everything, mm. you know, like fucking rewiring your brain and retraining everything. Like just even to lift my foot was a fucking, was an exercise in itself. Mm. Yeah. So what's the, but like, you, it's been such a cool experience. So you have the, you obviously have the surgery and then you get to the point where it's like, okay, you like, did you, did the doctors say anything about like recovery, how long it was going to take? Or did they say, we don't know if it'll come back? Like what was the, the early days sort of diagnosis? Well, yeah, this is a good thing. Like my surgeon come to me the next day and was literally like, yeah, everything went well. Like we were really happy with what we've done. And I was like, cool. Yeah, sweet. Like, you know, that's enough. That's all I need to know. Mm. Um, but he never said to me, okay, this is going to be, you know, this amount of recovery. Um, you know, you might actually not walk again. Never said anything like that. So like those two weeks of being in Canada was like real crucial um, part of like not actually being told you know, you might not walk again because, like, you know, obviously I'd set my mind to, you know, specific goals that I wanted to achieve. And, yeah, like, I guess with a spinal cord injury, it's, it, you know, it can take years or it can take months to, to heal. And I guess with mine, it was sort of months until I was, you know, properly walking again. So, yeah, I guess with uh, with something like this, you can't they can't really give you a, a proper indication of when you're going to be fully recovered i was told that you know one to two years you will be you know fully recovered again yeah what the the support from the industry was pretty crazy to see as well like in those early you know the early stages of it was it was that a pretty like motivating factor as well and like what was the shit that was was like did motivate you th through that early stages yeah, I mean, the support was insane. I mean, I never thought that I had so many people backing me. Um, and just, yeah, just like social media was just insane. The people that come to me and, mm. you know, wish me luck and like told me that I was going to get through this or people that had the same injury as me and being like, yeah, you, you've got this, you know, just all the support was was amazing and like i think that really helped me a lot get through where i am today because like obviously i'd set my own goals and you know from day one of when i stood up i was like fuck yeah this is on like i'm i'm gonna be riding my bike again and from then i was like okay i'm gonna you know set a goal that's potentially not realistic but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna try to achieve it and that was to race croatia in um may this year so like that really drove me to doing everything properly like rehab recovery um all that sort of shit really massive uh you know for me to to achieve that goal but yeah like just everyone that supported me um was it was amazing and like the people around me um my physios doctors my girlfriend my family um you know i just i just felt I like positive people around me, which, which was a big, a big help because, 
you know, you, you don't really want negative people around you, people that are putting you down or being like, you yeah, know, nah, this is not going to work. You, you know, you're probably not going to ride your bike again because, you know, not that it would, I felt like it would ever affect me because I'm the sort of person that would like, you know, obviously want to prove them wrong, but you know, some people take it differently. So yeah, I think, um, that was really important having, you know, everyone supporting me and, and messaging me. Yeah. And so how long did it take to start making some progress? Like how long was it from when you crashed to when you were like first sort of standing up and did they like pretty much like rush you into rehab as well? Yeah, they, they kind of, they, they really push for you to stand up. Um, I think it was two, two or three days after my accident, I stood up like that oh, was wow. real, that was fucking, that was really hard. Cause like, obviously my legs, I, I, you know, had feeling come back in my legs, but there was still so much nerve damage. And like, you know, I couldn't really feel the bottoms of my legs. Like I could feel that they were there and it was working, but just all the nerves around it was just mm. not firing. So, um, a lot of it, you know, was done through my upper body and the help of, of the, um, PTs there. But yeah, fuck, when I first stood up, I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Like three days after surgery, being paralyzed like I'm standing up and then the next day they had me walking on on the parallel bars yeah um which like you know same thing again like so much weight through my upper body but it was just so sick to walk again and um obviously I had so much defects on my legs and like I had drop foot so like my my right side was more damaged than my left. So my right foot was just like, when I'd lift it up, it would just like, you know, just yeah. flop down and drag along the ground. That's like so, pretty much um, what I had for like a week and a half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's fucked. It's not nice. Nah. And you feel, yeah. Cause I was getting, so I had like all this cause I busted my hip, but then I had like, I tore the, um, the skin, off the um like the skin and the muscle and the fat and everything like it's sheared off and it's called like a degloving injury and um Ooh. but yeah so then what happened is like all the there was so much blood and fluid that like filled that void and it just put like pressure on everything so like i didn't actually do anything in terms of like breaking to like push on the spinal cord but that um all that fluid was just fucking up with all my nerves and i'd walk my fucking toes would be dragging i'm just like oh, oh fuck this i've cooked it here fuck yeah that's that's yeah that's not a nice feeling because nah. it makes you yeah fucking it fucks everything like it fucks your whole walking yeah <laughs> just so scary to think that that's how you could be <laughs> yeah. too. yeah yeah definitely so when um when then you you sort of get the the rehab stuff going how like did you ever have doubts where you just not like you're like fuck this i just don't think i'm gonna do it or like did the riding thing it was just always gonna happen no it was always gonna happen bro like i literally i felt like every single day was was progress and i was achieving something every single day which was huge for me because like you know going through something that like you know i i lost 12 kilos in two weeks it was all my muscle gone like i was a fucking i was skin and bone like mm. so like going from someone who was solidly built and had you know decent sized legs to seeing myself with like nothing i was like fuck this is going to take a long time to build mm. and um 
yeah, but like, yeah, I just achieved something every day, whether it was small or big, like, you know, you know, walking on my walker, you know, 50 steps was, was a huge achievement for me. And like, I just kind of took that for the, into the next day and like, okay, I'm going to walk a hundred steps today or I'm going to walk a, you know, a hundred meters. Mm. And I could just, I just sort of pushed myself until I couldn't actually, you know, I'd fatigued or I had to sit down. Um, just so, you know, in the back of my head, I knew that, you know, that I could actually do that with the, you know, the right rehab and the training. But yeah, like when I, when I arrived in New Zealand, um, the four weeks I spent in the, spent at the spinal unit here was, um, probably like the biggest four weeks of my recovery, um, that, you know, was really important because I achieved so much there. Like I turned up there basically in a wheelchair, could walk a few steps and then walked out of there with, with, um, just a walking stick that like was for me if I, when I started getting tired, but I was like to myself, I'm going to walk out of this place with, with nothing. And, um, yeah, I did that, which was, was like a huge achievement for me. And I was riding my bike five weeks after my surgery. So that was, that was also another, another big achievement. Yeah. That's so crazy to think that you, you could have rode your bike so quickly after it. Were you like before, yeah. before this injury, like, are you, are you a training dude? Like, obviously there's guys that, I mean, all you guys at the top level in downhill have to train, but you know, like me and Jack were talking about win and it's like, he just loves to suffer. Like he, he could be a fucking Navy seal that dude, you know, like he just <laughs> loves to do that shit. And I feel like a guy like him, given that, you know, kind of situation with like a real bad injury, he would just like, he'd froth on just the training that he'd have to do to get back. But I mean, not everyone's like that. I mean, I'm fucking eyeing that dude. <laughs> so, but it's like, <laughs> no, were, you, were you that guy or? Yeah, I'm definitely that sort of person who loves to suffer and I love to put myself into pain. Like I've always, since I've had like a proper training regime and like a coach, I've, I've really been into that. So like, yeah, everything was, was, you know, if it, if it was hard work, I was always keen to, mm. keen to do it. But like the crazy thing was like, when I would do something one day, like I would fucking suck at it, like balancing on one leg. I couldn't even do it for five seconds. And then I'd go and do it that afternoon or the next day and I could do it. You know, I could balance on my leg for five seconds or 10 seconds. It was crazy. And like, you know, I had dreams where I was like fucking in my dream, I was walking next day. I was going to the gym, tell my physio that I had a dream that I walked and then I'd walk the next, I walked that next, that day. It was crazy. So how, like it, it was more of like a mental deal than to go through really. Like it, it was it harder mentally than physically almost. Oh, I, I guess hard is probably the wrong physically. It's probably, it was probably like physically, obviously because you had these physical challenges to overcome, but the way that you yep. overcome them was more mental than physical. Would you say? Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it was more physical because, like, obviously with this injury, it affects your body so much. So I fatigued so quickly. Like, you know, I'd do half an hour of gym sessions and I'd have to go home and have a sleep before mm. I'd have to do another one. So, like, sort of probably for, like, four weeks, that was the struggle was the physically side of it was just, like, being able to do something. I'd be like, fuck, I need to go home and sleep because I'm so tired. 
but once I got past that, it was just like, I guess it was just like a walk in the park. Like from what I went through to being able to actually walk again, like everything was just felt like a, you know, a walk in the park. Not, not that I'm saying it was, but you, for me, like what I'd been through previously, you know, spending that time on the hill and, and all that sort of shit was just kind of like made the whole approach to the, the rehab, um, a lot easier. Mm. Almost like because that pain the on the hill was just so gnarly that everything else was a little bit easier after that. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's what it felt like. And like, yeah, I just, I felt like fucking every single day I look forward to going into my gym and, you know, doing the rehab. Whereas like some people, you know, with an injury, like what I had probably were like, fuck, I can't be fucking in the gym today. or I can't be asked mm. doing rehab. Um, Whereas like, I felt like, you know, it's crazy, crazy what the body and mind can do. Like, I really felt like the, you know, the healing of the body and the mind really, really got me through a lot of, um, a lot of this. And, and so like, what about now then as you know, you sort of get back on the bike and you started to train to do your job again, has it given you almost like a new level of what you can kind of put yourself through like have you seen any mental changes that have kind of lasted in you that have made you a better athlete i no i don't reckon mental changes i definitely think that i've um i've fucking loved riding my bike more than i did before because obviously i've had a second opportunity at doing it so it's kind of made me realize like you know biking is actually pretty sick and like just fuck when i was riding i was just so stoked like i didn't even care about racing like i was just like obviously with all the coronavirus and stuff happening i was just fucking throthing on riding my bike and just you know doing it with mates and being able to ride mm. fast again which was pretty sick um but yeah like first time i rode my bike in the forest i was like fuck it you know i don't even feel like i've had an accident you know i don't mentally i didn't feel like i had anything obviously i could still notice the small side effects with like feeling in my feet not being able to pedals and the rod in my back just sort of like limiting me to some stuff but yeah fucking riding a bike you know i just felt like i'd never left mm. you know previous to my crash it, it's crazy like if you think about it in terms of um like what the actual feeling of the happiness is that you had on the bike like if you just in terms of the the sensations that go through your body that you then go fuck this is just pure joy like riding that bike it's like that should theoretically always be there but it's like yeah. all this other stuff kind of clouds it and then you know you like oh, before your injury it's like oh i gotta fucking do this for a job and maybe my mechanics pissing me off or the team's fucking me around or or like this and that and it all of those things take away from that available happiness but then it's yep. like all those fucking clouds go away when you ride that bike the first time after the injury and then it's like it's completely unobstructed by any fucking bullshit and it's like that was there available all along but it just like takes this new perspective to like let you have that feeling again you know yeah definitely bro and don't get me wrong like i loved riding my bike before my accident and like fuck you know oh yeah day, i was just so stoked riding my bike but i feel like now i've 
I've like really got a whole new love for for riding again. Like I just, you know, I just like I want to ride my bike every day. Like, you know, I couldn't care less if they were, they were like, fuck, there's not going to be any racing for fucking three years. You know, from now I'd be still fucking stoked to go out and ride my bike every single day. Um, as much as I am a racer, like I've, you know, I'm fucking so competitive and, you know, I just want to keep racing. Like if that was taken away from me, I'd still be stoked to just ride my bike. And so when you, you get back on and you start training for the, the world champs and, um, so what races have you done this year? And I guess like, how has those races gone for you? Um, yeah, so I had planned to do Croatia in, in May, but with coronavirus, that sort of fucked everything. So like everything was kind of canceled until, till start of, well, end of August, start of October. Um, so I went over for six weeks before just to, you know, get some riding in cause I'd only ridden my downhill bike three times, um, before I left to go overseas. So like I needed to put some time in on it. So yeah, I just went over and spent some time with my team and teammates and mechanic and did a bunch of testing and all that sort of shit. And, um, yeah, I was just fucking stoked on riding my bike. I was right. I felt like I was riding the best I'd ever ridden before. And, um, you know, come to Crankworx Innsbruck, race that, because I felt like I needed to, really needed to do a race before I went to World Champs. So I did mm. that. I finished 11th, which which I was fucking stoked with, because, like, you know, it was a pretty solid field, and there was a lot of fast riders there. Um, And, yeah, like, from there, kind of, like, the whole, I felt like the whole coronavirus really just fucked me. Like, it just sort of mentally drained you know what i went through to getting to the stage was like so mm. much preparation and you know just turning up to a race and having to have a fucking mask and my credential and like you know when i wanted to go to the left i had to have my mask on and fucking show the people my credential like you know i'm not used to that i just fucking get my bike out of the pit and go straight to the left and go out for a run you know all that sort of shit yeah it really took its toll on me um you know trying to focus on a race let alone having to go fast too. So like, you know, there was just like fucking security guards around being like, oh, put your mask on or show me your credential. I'm like, I've fucking, I've got a number plate on my bike. Like I'm racing, don't Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, I feel like I'm whinging, but like it, I felt like it really affected me and, you know, all that sort of shit, um, you know, going into, to a, you know, the biggest race in the world um, can affect someone and it, it affected me quite badly and like I, I well you don't you don't know car. you don't know how it's going to affect you until you go through it like it's easy to look back now and you know but in the moment it's hard to sort of have that perspective so it makes sense yeah yeah like i was so fucking amped to race my bike you know leading up to all those races i just couldn't wait to do it and then i got there and it was just kind of like a big not a downward spiral, but like, you know, kind of just a big downer on the whole event, no spectators, you know, just yeah. all that sort of shit that I'm used to. I just sort of didn't adapt to it properly. And then come qualifying, I, I actually felt really good and like got probably like a fucking minute into the track and had this fucking shitty ass crash and went to the bank wall and fucking did a 360, went to pick my bike up, my bars had snapped. So like, you know there's qualifying gone like no you know no time to for me to see like where i actually sit in amongst you know the yeah. best riders in the world and then like you know fucking going into 
race race day, like all that sort of stuff plays on your mind. There's like a section that a lot of riders were struggling with and fuck, I was just like fucking struggling with it so bad and like really played a big part of my mind. And um, yeah, come race day, fucking, you know, probably got like two minutes into the track and just had this shit wash out, fucking mud all over my grips, got up, chugged on and then had this fucking huge crash like massive crash <laughs> and i was just like fuck like <laughs> you oh. know this couldn't fucking get any worse and like i kind of you know like previous to that like the whole six weeks i'd been riding my bike i hadn't had a crash and like you know i was just i was really wanting a crash a big one so i knew what it was going to feel like mm. um yeah that'd play crashed, anymore, like, if i was going to be any yeah and like you know, I was always, I was just hoping like, fuck, come on, have a big crash. Like, and, um, yeah, fuck, I was riding one day and come, come across this section. This was just when I was training and there was this like pole lying across the ground that I didn't see. And I would have been going probably like 30, 40 K and the fucking pole flipped up and went straight through my crank into my leg and oh. just tomahawked me over the bars. I was like, oh fuck, here's another fucking Mount St. Anne again fucking landed on the deck so hard and like was lying there was like fucking wiggling my feet like just like oh yeah yep. oh. right one right one moves left one moves stood up fucking bounced around and i was just like honestly that was like the best day of my life because like you know it was a crash that fucking was so big and like i just got back up and i was sweet i was like fuck yeah you know back to the I old bulldog game yeah and then like yeah come worlds i had that fucking huge crash and just like smoked my shoulder into this like side of the stump fucking got back up carried on but yeah that was a disaster and then like going into the first uh two world cups like i just kind of just was like the whole yeah like i said the coronavirus shit just brought me down and like i didn't even really want to race and the weather was shit and it was cold and like mm. just all that shit sort of played a part on it um and yeah like i just got there and i was like fuck i you know crashed in qualifying i crashed in finals like i was just like fuck why am i crashing all the time and like just all this shit was just playing on my mind like not so much like the fact of me being able to be confident riding my bike but just all that small shit with like you know mm. masks and this and that um but yeah like i sort of like turned it around on the last day um on the finals and i finished 23rd which i was really stoked with so like you know i kind of realized like yeah fuck, i'm still fast and i can still be up contending with those top guys um and yeah i just made a decision from there that i was going to come home like miss miss the next uh two world cups because like you know fuck, i'd be coming home and almost started december if i'd gone there so i was like yeah i need to come home and have a mm. break and just relax yeah yeah that's um that's that's sort of what jack was saying like if he did the last two world cups then he would have been coming home super late and then you've got the holidays and flights and it's just yeah it's definitely been uh yeah gnarly year for that sort of shit so it's probably yeah. it's better to play it safe in that respect and then well i guess you guys don't start till april next year right no no we don't start till april next year so you know like i just wanted to come home and have a bit of a break and like you know if i can just just be like, normal for down a, a change my, yeah yeah bro yeah and um so yeah i, th I feel like i i really like achieved you know i achieved the biggest goal that i wanted to do was race my bike again so like yeah you know that was a massive win in my eyes and 
you know, to finish 23rd at my last World Cup was, was another big achievement too. So I was like, yeah, happy. I was like really happy to like end on a good note and just come home and, you know, mm. call the season and, and be actually healthy going into the off-season training. Yeah. And how was the team through it all? Like, you know, and then, you know, with results and stuff like that, you know, not being what you'd normally achieve, but have they been pretty cool through the whole thing? Yeah, they've been, they've been amazing. Honestly, like they, like they've never really dealt with such an injury in their team before. And so like, this was a huge blow on them and they were really, they fucking were really taken back. And, you know, obviously I was, I was really keeping them up to date with all my progress and they were just like, you know, they were just mind, mind blown of what I'd done. And, you know, they were just so stoked to see me over there and like just racing my bike. They couldn't give a shit about my results. They were just so stoked to see me back racing world. So yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that I've got a, a good team like that. I mean, I think I would hope to think a majority of teams would be like that, but yeah, just, there was no pressure from them whatsoever of like results, just ride your bike and, and have fun. Yeah. And then, so like, yeah, it makes sense that you'd want to have a, a clear run into 2021 and just, cause I mean, essentially like your life hasn't been normal for a whole year because this time 12 months ago was when you got hurt and then you go through all the injury and then you go through, you know, the quarantine and like all that shit. Like it's Fuck been, no, yeah. Like from, from day one, bro, I haven't had a rest. Like I've probably taken at least a week off. Hmm. So I'm just like, I'm just drained. Like, I just like, yeah. fuck yeah, I need to come home and, <laughs> and be normal again. Yeah, dude, I'm so bummed there's no no Supercross in Auckland this year because that's, uh, that's always a good time. Yeah, I know. I was fucking gutted about that too because, yeah, it's a good fucking party there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you've at least had a few beers <laughs> since your injury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely so, let my hair down a bit. Uh, so what's um what's the off season plan like? Are you gonna try and get back on the moto, or what's your what's your deal with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I sold my moto before I left, but yeah, I'm keen to get another one. What are you gonna um, get? Not too sure yet. I'm just trying to work that out now. What I want to get? Get three fifty, um, bro. Three fifty gang. Uh, not a not a big fan of them, eh? Ooh, have you ridden one? I don't know why, I just, yeah, I've ridden one. Yeah. What, you just don't like KTM already, or just the 350 in general? Not KTM, I just didn't like the 350. I just felt the, you know, that in-between sort of, I don't know, it didn't really suit me. I, I didn't ride it much, but I kind of noticed the difference between like the 350, 450 and 250. Do you normally um, ride a 450? But yeah. Nah, 250. Oh, really? Like 450 is too too big, too big for me. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's why I lo- that's why I like the three fifty because the four fifty is too big for me yeah. too, but the two two fifty just feels slow. Yeah, I rode. Uh, I think I rode like a eighteen three fifty. Yeah. So I don't know if they've changed a lot since then, but yeah, I didn't really like that one. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. You tripping, son? <laughs> I'm not a fucking I'm not a fucking motor guru, so okay. Yeah, just, true. Uh, you, you know, how long? You, how long? How long have you been riding for? Probably motor I've ridden for like maybe eight, nine years. Yeah, right. So you've been into it for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More so like farm. I used to ride farm bikes heaps because my grandparents have a farm. So 
just a thrash about on and then i got like a proper moto was when yeah. like just you know i was like fuck this is actually real sick what what was your last motor you had a, a 250 yamaha didn't you no nah, honda oh you had a that's yeah right right yeah. right yeah sweet yeah those dude. things are pretty sick yeah they are pretty good honda don't make many bad yeah. bikes nah might, we, yeah um, i might get another one of those or yammy yeah dude the yammy 250s bullshit good have you rode one of those things yeah i haven't but i heard heard a lot of good things about them yeah yeah nah they're fucking unreal if i was gonna get a 250f that's what i'd get yeah Thanks, um yeah. where whereabouts do you like what's the crew that you guys ride with have you got like a pretty solid little crew that you spend time on the bike with or because a bunch of the mountain bike boys are into it too right yeah but we kind of kind of spread out across the country eh? so like yeah mm. i mean i don't have like a whole heap of mates that ride moto where i live like um you know every every once in a blue moon i'll go ride with coops um but very often um so yeah i don't really like more so i just ride by myself or, or a couple of mates if they're gonna gonna go out but i've got a track at my grand's place so you know pretty good uh pretty good there that i can just go ride whenever i want yeah how do you know bt that well yep yeah dude you gotta go ride with ben man he's got the fucking tracks dude yeah i know and he's got the fucking fleet of bikes too eh? so i definitely need to get out with him he's always he's always pretty busy over summer so like it's always hard to fucking connect with that guy all right he just carries on man yeah he's a fucking trooper eh? <laughs> oh fuck yeah i'm bloody so keen to get back over there i've never rode a mountain bike in nz either like i've only been there to ride oh, yeah. motos and i'd love to get on we need to fucking take you to rotorua yeah dude i'd be so stoked to to go and ride that shit eh? yeah yeah that place is sick bro where's your where are you spending most of your time training and riding is it rotorua yeah, I spend a lot of a lot of time in Rotorua. I'm only two hours away from there, so it's a pretty easy drive. Yeah, right. Do you have yeah. tracks that around like where you are? Yeah, bro. Yeah, I have. I have tracks probably like twenty minutes from my place, but they're like you know pretty mellow, pretty mm. mellow stuff. But you know enough to actually you know do a decent trail ride on. So like I spend you know pretty good amount of time there, but more so if i need to go do down or riding i go to rotorua yeah yeah do you are you doing a lot of enduro stuff for your training or is it mostly you're doing like mostly downhill runs mm, i really wish i could do a lot of downhill runs but like obviously with rotorua two two hours away like trying to get there every you know two or three days is pretty hard so like i do do, do a ride do a lot of um trail riding but like nothing like jack jack would be doing like i only do an hour and a half um mm. max but do a lot of stuff on the road bike as well yeah 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 it's um yeah it'd be, it'd be like kind of it's a bit of a fucking shit sport to train for unless you're doing the whole gondola thing and you you know you live at a bike park because there's a lot that goes into <laughs> yeah. just doing shuttles oh for sure bro like yeah you can um yeah like i mean bruni he's at least tra he's at least riding with his mechanic probably two three times a month testing like proper testing mm. like three days full-on testing and like you know we don't really have that opportunity because we're so far away from our mechanics and you know the resources that we 
they have in Europe compared to what we have in New Zealand is, is pretty tough. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like us fucking New Zealanders and Australians, Australians do pretty well on, on the world circuit considering, like, we come from such faraway countries racing in Europe. Mm. Yeah, that's what, like, you think about a guy like Sam Hill, man. Like, he lives further away than oh, yeah. pretty much anybody, and he was just, like, the G of all Gs. Yeah, he's a fucking OG, that guy. I mean, he goes out on a fucking road bike, does a hundred and fucking plus Ks on flat pedals. Like, <laughs> what fucking person does that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a savage, eh? He's just like, yeah. man, I, I, I want to get him on in studio so bad. Like, I don't know how he'd go yeah. actually talking, but like, man, the shit that he's done is so next level, eh? Fuck yeah, he's a he's like the fucking king of our sport. Like, he's such a good dude too. Like, he's such a quiet person, but once you get to know him, he like really opens up. So I feel like you know, fucking, you get him on there, he'll really open up if you've you know had a few few talks to him before. But yeah, he's such a good dude. Like, you know, a lot of people you know think he comes across as like this dude who doesn't really talk much. He's kind of like you know Sam Hill, that guy who doesn't talk, but. He's actually a really nice guy and, you know, I, I've fucking become pretty good friends with him and it was like that, you know, like he didn't really say much to me when I first started talking to him, but yeah. once, you know, like I guess he started feeling comfortable around me, he really opened up and was like, yeah, he's a fucking funny dude too. When, he's so, a full fucking, full-blown Australian, eh? Oh, dude, yeah. As, as like Aussie fucking bogan legend as it gets it's so sick Jack Daniels fucking those big 4 by 4 flip flops <laughs> you know you name it he's got it eh? <laughs> oh so when did you get to know him like we did you guys were you on the same team or like travel like sort of schedule for a bit or yeah yeah when I was when I first started racing downhill he was still racing so like obviously he was the fucking you know the guy that I looked up to and when I first went to Europe in 2008 was when he fucking had that crash around the corner in Val and still got third was like fucking smoking everyone by oh, like, yeah. I think nine seconds. Um, so like, you know, he was the fucking guy everyone bowed down to and just like a fucking dude who rode flat pedals and fucking took the fucking wildest lines like yeah you know big insides on corners that people would never think to do because they're like oh fuck that's you know that's not fast but here comes fucking sam hill with his foot out fucking going 10 times faster than them so like you know he was just like the guy that everyone was like fucking yeah this guy's a fucking yeah. business but yeah i guess i started to like you know like i i talked to him and i like you know i'd fucking say hello to him and he was always sort of like hey you know you know not a massive speaker and then like kind of gradually grew on him and yeah just like probably 2011 2012 from there like you know become friends and you know i could go around his pits and fucking have a yarn to him and mm. shit like that so yeah that's funny like cody cooper is kind of a, a similar sort of deal eh? like coops don't <laughs> yeah. doesn't, doesn't say fuck all and he just like they no. kind of he'll go out and just do like the wildest shit on the bike and then come in and he'll be like how's that yeah good and that you know yeah, yeah he's fucking, all you... he doesn't say much either eh? yeah but like then when you actually get him going like man i don't know many people that can tell a story better than cody cooper yeah fuck i know bro i've traveled to <laughs> vegas with him before and holy shit that was a fucking 
experience in a fucking lifetime, eh? Dude. But I feel like I, I feel like Cody Cooper is like sort of the same as Sam Hill. He's like this fucking Sam Hill of New Zealand. That guy, like, fuck, he just I just like fucking was watching him in the weekend, bro. And like, you know, he doesn't fucking ride his bike much. He works now. Like, he just get bike and still fucking cleans up every run. It's like fucking hell. Yeah, dude. Yeah, just he... one of those guys that can flick the switch real quick and go from fucking you know qualifying third or fourth fastest to someone who just fucking smokes everyone dude you hear like you ride with coops and he makes his bike sound different to everybody else yeah. and it's just like you hear him he's on a 450 and it's like and i'm just like what 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 like how do you how does it sound like that how do you make it do that shit it's like you just he, you're hearing him operate on like a totally different level and just every time i'm with that dude it just his shit blows my mind eh? <laughs> yeah yeah he's such a good rider it would have been if i like see him a few more years in in the outdoors and like with a team like what he could have done because i feel like he really could have fucking been the the next bt mm. I think with Coops though, like, I mean, I, I'm definitely at some stage, I'm going to have him on and do like a fucking three hour yarn with him, but like, I'd be like getting blood out of a stone, but like, yeah, <laughs> I just don't know whether he's the kind of guy that like personally, he just like fit in those environments with those teams and stuff, you know, like he's just such like a different character. I feel like he could have done good like the ultimate scenario for coop to do good is like give him a sick bike factory bike factory mechanic the whole deal but then it's just like him and bt would fly to the race like no team no factory yeah. around you know it just seems like yeah for whatever reason the environment just doesn't suit the way that he rolls and it's sam's probably the same yeah 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 i mean it does make sense bro because yeah watching him to nations like he just sort of you know he just doesn't fucking care you know like he's given a bike he fucking makes it work like i feel like he'd probably achieve more on a privateer team like with what you said like factory bike all that sort of shit um than he probably would on a on a factory team because like i guess for him he's you know such a simple guy and just used to fucking mm. you know doing shit himself or having his mechanic from here come over and help him like you know just feel like probably the simplest shit works better for him mm. yeah and i feel like he's probably it's probably the kind of guy that like just the dudes frothing and chain wanted to do this and you got all those guys he's probably just gonna be like fuck off man like just leave me alone like, i just want to i just want to yeah. cruise whereas some dudes they yeah. love that shit yeah for sure most definitely I like, yeah, when I was at fucking um, Des Nations with him, like, I was fucking, you know, going and walking around the track and scoping out lines for him. And he's like, oh, yeah, mean, bro. Like, yeah, fuck. That's sick. Like, <laughs> cheers for that, bro. Whereas, like, you know, I feel like if it was fucking someone else, like, they'd be like, fuck, I'm not listening to you, bro. You don't know fuck all. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Coops was just like, yeah, fucking sick, bro. Thanks for that. You know, took some videos for him and showed him some videos. He was like, oh, yeah, fuck mean. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude. He's got. <laughs> He's just got the best attitude, eh? I, like, it's yeah. pretty sick that James got a perfect season. But, man, if Coops beat him in that moto at Unadilla, like, that would have been 
probably the upset of all upsets. Like you would never have oh, an time. upset in a race bigger than what Coops did at Unadilla that year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That what's, was that was pretty fucking cool to see that. What's a like have you been on like experiences with teams where like the like the vibes just fucking shit and they're like, Well, they're all nice people, but there's just something there's something about it or can you see how that's like a thing that happens with guys where they're just like you know everything's good the bike's good the, the they're all nice guys but you're just like fuck for whatever reason this just doesn't feel that that right yeah yeah i have actually i i had that when i was on um on gt the team that wins on at the moment like yeah i just um fuck like those two years that i spent on that team man that was like the worst two years of my life of really? racing like i had no good results my best result was eighth like you know come from a consistent top 10 rider and getting podiums to someone who's like if i can get a top 20 um yeah the bike did not work for me at all like fuck, it was just a piece of shit. like it was honestly terrible like i didn't know how you could have a bike that you know rode that that bad on a world cup track like i really struggled um and yeah, like I just didn't, you know, the environment, like, fuck, we were partying every weekend, like fucking thousand euro budget for piss and barbecue every single weekend. Like, you know, I really? come from a team that was, a, yeah, a factory team, like trick, trick um, bikes, you know, like everything was so dialed there. Like, you know, I didn't have to lift a finger. I'd fucking turn around and the, the team manager standing there with my water bottle, like fucking no, just fucking know what I wanted sort of thing. Like, so like going to that, you know, was pretty hard because my first experience was like I fucking traveled all the way to Scotland, get to Scotland, fucking can't rent a rental car because I'm underage. They told me, yeah, there's a rental car there for you to be picked mm -hmm. up. Fucking, you know, turn that up old, you have to wait three chestnut. hours until someone else. Yeah, that old chestnut. <laughs> so <laughs> like, there. you know, just from there, like the experience, yeah, the experience didn't fucking sit with me that well. I mean, like the partying and just shit like that, just like really really took its toll and like i just couldn't handle it eh? so yeah i have experienced that and i mean the people on there were good like don't get me wrong like everyone was good and like you know good teammates but just like i guess the whole vibe and the way the team was structured was not really what i was after i was sort of after you know results i'd fucking train my ass off to you know because i had a new team i was like fuck yeah sick new team new beginning like yeah, i'm gonna work my ass off to you know be a top mm top five rider and get to the first world cup and i'm like holy fuck like i felt like i was riding this fucking bike that gave me arthritis <laughs> that's so good well other people doing good on it well i mean before that was the atherton's who were riding it and like it was a bike that was developed around them and you know mm. my riding style to their riding style is so different so like and it was outdated as well and like i mean martin mays was an exception you know he fucking is an unreal rider and was able to ride that bike you know really well but um you know he'd been on that since day one of his riding career so like you know uh, he was pretty used to that but i think um yeah we, when we were when we hopped on it you know we started realizing like the what it was doing and how it was riding like fuck i'd go into a race run and i'd be like fuck am, am i gonna make it down the track today or was like <laughs> am i gonna have a big crash like it was it was mental and like you know getting to the bottom and finishing a run was an achievement so <laughs> yeah i definitely had that experience yeah that's probably that's probably not the headspace you want to be in at a world cup 
No, definitely not, bro. <laughs> Sitting in the start gate, like fucking wondering what what today's gonna bring you. <laughs> so, like, why why sign with a team that, or like, do you get a chance to ride the bike before you sign on the team like that, or? Well, I I didn't actually because we were meant to sign a game with Trick, but Trick sort of pulled out last minute. So I was like, sort of fucking left with no option, and GT mm. were looking for something. So I was like, you know, like the contract was good and. I didn't know how the bike rode. I was like, fuck, well, you know, if the Atherdens can win on that bike, then surely I can do something on it. So I wasn't too worried. Mm. And then I got a bike in January, like start of 16, and, you know, won a couple of nationals. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is all right. Fucking, you get in, it's a whole nother story. It's like, fucking hell. You know, just like going from New Zealand racing to world level racing was a whole nother story. So I didn't, you know, like I didn't really have an idea of like what the bike was going to be like because I, you know, kind of just sort of thought, yeah, these guys, you know, they can win on it. So why can't I? Mm. Would you do that again? Like, would you sign to a team without riding the bike again nowadays? I'd probably, yeah. Well, nowadays, to be honest, most bikes are pretty good. Like, I don't yeah, think that's you could go said. wrong with, with cho choosing a good bike. But yeah. From my from my experience, I definitely would you know make sure that I got a bike sent out that I could try. Mm. But yeah, bikes these days they're all fucking pretty good. Yeah, that thing that you're on now seems pretty sick. Yeah, it's a really nice bike. It fucking rides really good. Yeah, yeah. It's um. What what was the deal with the party? Like, was that the actual team itself? Like, all of them just loved the fucking party, or was it like the riders on the team? What's the deal there? That just seems. Bizarre. Well, it was just like, yeah, it was just like sort of like the, I guess the the way they were sort of approaching, the World's Cup because they wanted to approach it with a different way, like sort of a fun vibe. So like, yeah, we got a thousand euros each weekend for piss and. A barbecue and like fucking everyone would just come around and eat food and drink all the <laughs> can you can you hear me now bro yeah good yeah, boy sweet sweet yeah boy yeah you're back sorry about that no you're good um yeah so like the team manager he just loves fucking partying he just loves drinking so yeah we fucking like the first race was so gnarly like with the team like first race first big race fucking win had a concussion like we all did pretty shit because of weather wise and blah 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 um anyway it was like fucking first party so we went out with a bang like fucking wind was on the piss with a fucking head injury like <laughs> stupid ass and then yeah it was gnarly like fuck we got so pissed and then we had to travel to america the next day we were up at like three in the morning and fucking my teammate was driving the car still half cut like fucking you know just like i'm sitting there like fucking with my eyes wide open making just like driving in a straight line and fucking get to the airport like don't know where to drop the rental car off we just fucking leave the rental car and like these fucking underground car parks with the keys sitting there like it was a fucking disaster bro like we were, <laughs> we were just like yeah this is fucking yeah, this isn't good and then like you know kind of sort of carried on like sort of slowed down with it and like you know i just fucking turn up the next day and the pits would be fucking turned upside down grass broken everywhere it was mental fucking hell <laughs> dude that would have been an experience to go through that shit yeah and that was like pretty much for a whole year and then we were like yeah no we can't keep doing this so like you need something needs to stop so yeah i've never really fucking opened up about it but you know 
there's always a time and place and I feel like fucking you know you've asked me the question so why not open up about it eh? <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's so gnarly to, to to think that you know that can be like a like a team environment and I mean it'd yeah. be hard it'd be hard to I'm like you know it's easy to sit here and be like fuck that's crazy that's stupid but like when someone's giving you that cash and it's just like okay and you know you're not gonna get fired then it's just like fuck it'd be sort of hard to not do it yeah exactly bro and like fuck you know we had like yeah good barbecues and it was just like sort of like you know getting all the teams around and like fucking coming over and having a beer and a barbecue but like a beer and a barbecue never turned out to be in a beer and a barbecue it turned out to always be a big fucking party yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but no it was i mean like a couple of couple of them were good but like not for a whole season yeah yeah i mean i'm sure like and when you're putting in like well did it affect your training like did you just start going like ah fuck it you don't have to do as good or like i don't know because it'd be hard to have it not affect you in that way too yeah definitely i mean i was like all about trying to fucking you know put put aside that the bike wasn't working for me and like try race and do do my best i could but like then again i was like fuck you know i'll just fucking have a drink to down my sorrows Mm. (laughs) but I mean, it never really, never really affected my training because, like, you know, I'm pretty strong-minded of like being able to fucking, you know, go out the next day and do a ride if I'd been on the fucking piss the yeah. night before, etc. So, like, yeah, that never really affected me. But you know, like, by the end of the season, I was over it. I was like, fuck this. I don't, you know, I was like, pretty much to the point where I was like, you know, I would rather fucking buy myself out of this contract and go somewhere else or ride a different bike. Like, I was to the point where, you know going from a top 10 rider to not getting any results pretty hard and like you know mm. i just wanted to be back there back where i was and like you know those two years passed and then i re-signed with my team that i'd been riding with previously that i'm riding with now and i fucking turn up to the first world cup and fastest time fastest in time practice fastest qualifier was probably going to win the race and had a fucking massive crash and broke my collarbone but like that was just you know like sort of like everyone was sort of doubting me like oh fuck Mm. this guy you know you can't get results anymore like you know g g could get results on this bike and i'm like yeah but fuck that's g not me like i'm totally different rider to him Mm. and then like turn up to croatia and sort of fucking shut all those critics up yeah yeah it's crazy how fickle an industry can be in just like one year of you know not not getting the results but i suppose yeah you definitely you you throw in like the party thing into the conversation and i mean even here like a bunch of people are shitting on jats right now because they're like oh jats are just fucking partying and carrying on and it's like dude there's no racing like there's nothing to do and people you know even in a time where there's no racing people are still just so down to just shit on people and like yeah expect that you can't have any fun or that if you if you get fucked up ever you're done like it oh it must be over never gonna do good again i know yeah i don't know why people fucking think like that bro they're just so small-minded eh? like they think because they live a fucking you know you know a normal life nine to five job that they can go out and drink on the weekend and fucking get on the piss like they don't think that we can do that either they think that that probably affects us you know our training our riding but like you know we're we're just we're normal people we're just like them as well so you know all that sort of shit you know kind of just relates to like you know we can do whatever we want to 
what what's the industry like uh, in in the uh, the hole nowadays because like the party thing's fucking gone in moto like it's just that doesn't really i mean i when i first moved to america and you'd go out after races like you'd see you'd see a few boys there and there'd be definitely some dudes sending it and even after the races like there'd be and i'm just talking like anaheim three you know not like vegas or the end or, or parlor and you'd sort of see those guys out but like these days it's just done it just seems like the pressure from you know the industry and sponsors and everything to like be have this professional look is just pretty much killed that is that the same in mountain bikes or does it still sort of exist a bit because like dude i remember like i grew up in the the mud cows generation bro like watching fucking cedric cedric gracia and, and you know steve oh, pete and all yeah. those boys just fucking uh, just like absolutely yeah, yeah, sending it constantly hotels upside down fucking yeah putting cheers through the wall i mean obviously it's changed a lot now like you can't do that you'd be in fucking some serious trouble but you know those got og like fucking they get away with that shit but I mean, like nowadays, you know, like fuck, we still fucking have a party and, you know, fucking get on the piss after a race because, like, you know, it's so stressful. Like, fucking preparing yourself for that final race run is so much stress. And, like, to be able to sit down and fucking enjoy a beer and fucking, you know, get on the piss, like, that really, I feel like it really helps. Like, just fucking, you know, mm. just fucking being able to relax and like take your mind off fucking what you've just done and racing a bike like i feel like it's it's good like you do it we sort of like made a rule on our team like if you know someone got on the podium that we'd get on the piss and celebrate uh, but you know fucking that never really stuck to it you know you come to fucking the likes of mount st Anne or andorra where there's always a good party and we'd be like fuck after the race we'd be like yeah boys we're on we're gonna go, we're gonna go get wasted <laughs> <laughs> the um the thing too but is yeah. that like i mean fuck oh sorry bro hey the, yeah sorry i think it was just lagging no, go ahead. I, I didn't say anything bro um yeah nah sure i could hear the lag catching up um the the crazy thing is man is that like you guys are wild as fuck like to be able to start at the top of a hill and then the bottom of a hill like it'd take me fucking eight minutes to get down takes you mad cunts three so it's like yeah there's some different shit going on and it's like what we're like paying to see you know the people that are paying their entry fee and like or you know sitting up on the uci uh app late at night to watch is like we're paying to watch like wild cunts do wild shit and then it's yeah. like and then you expect that those same wild people that do this wild shit want to go to bed at 9 30 and read a fucking book <laughs> it's like it just probably, does, yeah, it no, probably doesn't, doesn't make happen. sense <laughs> but they're it like yeah, that's no, the expectation really. right well yeah for sure for sure and like i mean like yeah i guess like some teams are like that but like fuck my team it's pretty mellow and like they'll let us get on the piss they won't be like oh no nah, boys you can't go out tonight like like we're 28 29 year olds like you, <laughs> you can't be telling those telling people like us like no nah, you can't go out boys like you you know that's yeah. the day like i just feel like i feel like you gotta limit live a normal life as well and like you know when all that sort of shit you know like you fucking have a bad race or you have a good race you definitely want to go out and celebrate and like enjoy the you know the 
what you've done that day like i just feel like it's like sort of takes the edge off of of racing and you know being able to be a normal person again yeah 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 no it makes sense um so what's this half marathon thing you guys are doing <laughs> fucking idiot eh? he came up with this idea the other day he was like ring me up he's like oh oh no he actually sent me this photo i was like what the fuck he sent me this photo of his hallway or his bedroom and he's got like fucking himself fucking photoshopped into this like marathon runner and he was like yeah bro i'm gonna run half a marathon in my my room and i was like fuck bro like i thought about it. i was like fuck there's no way i'm doing this like my room's eight meters long and then i gave it a thought a couple of days he was like oh yeah i'm gonna you know make a make a um go fund me page and raise some money i was like fuck i could actually I'll, I'll actually be keen to do this so i jumped on board and like we've got him me um charlie murray and anton cooper who's a cross-country racer um all on board so like we've got um i think we've got about three and a half grand now like raised for um the westpac rescue helicopter and the spinal unit i was at so yeah, yeah we're just sick. gonna split the funds and and give it give it to them and we're gonna run fucking 21k in our bedroom so, so how many how many <laughs> you're <the> dickheads <laughs> how, many, how many laps is that so have you calculated how far like how many back and forward you've got to go or like or are you wearing a fucking well, apple watch or how are you doing it yeah no we just i just kind of stepped it out and i think uh charlie he's he's done a k he's run a k and a k took him he, he said he did it pretty quickly he ran pretty fast k took him a minute just over a minute wow um no sorry sorry not a minute uh, not a k 100 meters oh yeah and um and yeah so i think we're going to do about 2600 and something laps maybe a little more yeah this is going to be fucking hard <laughs> what, and have you have you started or what no we start on saturday we're going to start oh. at seven thirty in the morning oh so you're doing it all in like one go all together yeah all all in one go bro oh dude that sounds fucking rad <laughs> count me out yeah i don't know i don't know how it's gonna be a it's oh. gonna be a big day How, how's your body with like running and stuff like are you pretty much back to normal where like you just feel fine now from the injury or like is there any residual shit that carries over or yeah pretty pretty much back to normal now bro like i've still got a little bit of nerve damage in my feet like my still my tip and my toes are like a, a little bit numb like i can still feel them but um yeah the tips of them like is you know like the best example i can explain is like you know when you sleep on your arm mm -hmm. and you wake up and you fucking tingly arm yep. and you like go like this to like get that feeling back that's what my toes feel like mm. um so it's a little bit weird but yeah other than that pretty much much it's back to normal like i still get a little bit of um like lower back pain just from having my rods in which like you know where i was fused was quite low down so like i use my lower back a lot a lot more um mm. with being fused so i kind of get a bit of pains there but other than that everything is pretty good and like yeah i've done i would have run like probably 50 meters since my accident so like i actually really don't know how i'm gonna get on running 21k <laughs> it's gonna suck a bag i reckon <laughs> i know i know oh. and i mean like like you can see like that's where that's the door where i'm gonna run to right there 
Oh. And like I'm pretty much sitting at the other end of the under other end of the wall. So what have you got like a game plan? You got a strategy? You got like some music? You got what? Are you just full? I'm gonna, gonna go, we're gonna go it? live. I'm in a I'm in a mad dog. We're gonna go live and like yeah, people can throw their answers or you know whatever at us and we'll just be yeah chugging along. Damn dude! <laughs> and how are you just gonna measure it? Like, do you, are you just gonna calculate how many laps you got to do? Well, I'll try to try to try to hit up Garmin to see if they could give us some watches to you know mm. to to um, do it, but haven't heard from them. So I might just use my um, Garmin computer for my bike if I don't get anything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it should be should be pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You could probably if you put yeah. your phone on you as well, but your phone would be yeah, yeah. You could you could figure out a way to do it, or you because yeah, like you'd lose count of the laps. Unless you had like a clicker, which that would oh, get old. Oh, for sure, bro. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> so what's um? So what's your so, what's your uh twenty twenty one plans? Just fucking back to back to old bulldog, just dominating. Yeah, that's the that's the plan, bro. Obviously, I'm going to be healthy, so like I'll be able to get proper training in. Um, yeah, my contract's up at the end of this year, but I'm going to hopefully, well, hopefully, I'm. Um, so hopefully I'm going to re-sign with the team I'm with now. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. And yeah, just just uh, try yeah get back to the yeah the old bulldog and yeah be be consistent again. I feel like you know I've learned a lot over these this last year myself, and you know I feel like I'm probably going to be a better racer. Um, yeah. So yeah, just all de- I guess all depending on what this coronavirus does too. Like it's kind of you know up in the here i mean april's a long way away so you know a lot of things can change by then so hopefully for the good we can get back to some normality and and box again properly yeah 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 i mean fuck like i mean they pulled it off this time around though so i mean i'm sure yeah that they'll be able to sort of do it again but hopefully you know you can get back to racing and i suppose if you've got to deal with all the security and all the masks and shit at least you're probably a little bit more mentally prepared for it this year um, yeah exactly bro. coming up yep. but yeah it's just crazy yep, to think definitely. that like that shit could just be the new normal now you know i know it is it's crazy bro like i just always i think about it now and i'm like fuck why why can't we just go back to being normal like you know it's just a it's just, i feel like it's just a bad case of a flu but it's just the name of the, mm. the whole thing like what it's been called and you know i guess the uh, approach of it all i feel like there's so much behind scenes of of it all like you know fuck there's so much money to be made and everything like you know hand sanitizers masks all that sort of shit like fucking crazy yeah yeah i don't fuck i just don't know where i i don't know where i'm at with all of it eh? and i'm just pretty much just trying to be a fucking hermit in burley and not really do too much <laughs> you know what i mean because like yeah it's so hard to know what's actually going on oh definitely i mean i you know with your podcast it's probably probably pretty good because you can get people from around where you live and you mm. know the likes of us on there as well but you know obviously you fucking need other things to survive too so like it's just sort of everything's sort of kind of up in the air eh? mm. yeah man i've actually been super lucky i reckon to be able to get the guests that i've had on like through the time period like it's probably I mean, it's definitely different than if there wasn't any coronavirus, but it's probably made me work a bit harder to get get good yeah. guests and, and like even just prioritize like 
what a good guest even is, you know, like it's sort of not sure. always about yeah. who the bigger, you know, the biggest sort of number is. And, um, and yeah. yeah, I think the other thing too, that's been cool through this is it's made me appreciate like the community of Gypsy Tales more, not yep. just, you yep. know, Definitely, not just the, the guests themselves, but more like the people that actually listen. Like there's so many fucking gangsters that, <laughs> that are like full in the Gypsy gang, you know? Yeah, it's sick, bro. Like fucking, like I was telling you the other day, like that Renee Gracie podcast, bro. Fuck me, that was such a good listen. Like, you know, two hours. Like, fuck, someone's gonna be like, who wants to listen to a two-hour podcast? But you know, you do someone good, and like, someone's interesting. Someone's gonna listen to that, and like, it's fucking crazy. Like that chick is mental, bro. Like, yeah. Fucking who would who would have ever thought like some chick. And OnlyFans is making 250k a month minimum. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so hectic, eh? I think I need to fucking do OnlyFans, eh? Because I ain't making shit. I know, bro. Like, it did, like, I, I actually fucking, when I listened to that podcast, I was like, it was running through my head, like, fucking OnlyFans. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, should I hit my missus up and, like. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know what's. like, fuck, it's mad. Like, Dude, and there's so many fucking chicks that do it now too to where like I'm just I can see it becoming like this new normal where you're like going to parties and you hook up with a chick and then you like let's say you're just gonna fuck this chick at a party or whatever. She got OnlyFans and she's just like, Wait, let's just film it and like you are doing these like Yeah, you wanna make twenty grand? Yeah, I'll give you some cash, like, you know, or <laughs> here, I'll suck your dick, but can you film it? Like in the same way that a chick asks you to take a selfie for her. Like at a, Yeah, you know, yeah, bro. Shit's gonna get It weird. seems like that, like and like just it seems like fucking there's so many chicks out there with only fans now hectic eh? yeah but that was a good listen and i want to listen to that um i think it's uh what's his name troy troy candy troy candy yeah i want yeah. to know yeah i was checking that dude's instagram out he looks like a fucking looks like a boy yeah yeah he's a bit of a lardo i've never uh yeah i just don't really get on the piss that much more these days because of my kidney but like fuck he'd be pretty fun to go out with i reckon yeah he looks like he'd be a funny fucker to go out with has he has he made his money in like social media no also because all those fucking straw pedo things yeah those straw pedo things pretty much um but before that he um he had that uh what's it called um eye candy motorsports so it's kind of like a west coast customs type of deal so like he does okay. like bulk people's cars man right sick fuck that's cool yeah no he's a fucking like i got i actually had a friend of mine um jack simpson i don't know if you've ever heard of jack simpson but he raced like nah. fink fink and stuff like that he used to be like one of the good okay. dudes and i was the, he's the sickest kind ever like he's a fucking legend and um Fuck and yeah. anyway he hit me up and he was like oh you got to get troy candy on your podcast like he's a mate of mine and um he's just moved up there and i literally followed him on instagram like two days before he did the podcast so i hadn't even really no way yeah yeah didn't didn't yeah, just <laughs> wasn't really across it but yeah he's a fucking super nice dude like you could uh you could probably make a judgment on him based on instagram and you know if you follow yeah him, yeah but, but like nah fucking nicest nicest dude and some people like you do the podcast with and they're they sort of just smoke bomb after you know like they'll post a couple of things but they're not not like that down to keep talking to you and you know actually being yeah. a homie 
but he's like a fucking G, you know, like he'll sort of hit you up all the time. That's right? cool, so. bro. Yeah, I figured that he, he was like, had his head switched on, was a nice guy from when I had a look on his Instagram. Mm. Yeah, it's fucking, uh, it's cool too. Like, you know, a lot of people sort of look up to that to that dude and, you know, you can talk about some pretty cool shit. Like, I think just yeah. so many, so many people are caught up in the whole Instagram thing these days and it's good to have a guy that is like deep in that world tell everybody like, oh, it doesn't mean shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was like what Renee was saying as well, like from what she was saying, she she said that she couldn't give a shit about her social media. Like, you know, if it fell off the face of uh, Earth tomorrow, she'd still be, you know, like pretty pretty well sorted. Mm. Dude, she's um she's renting, like she's about to come out with her own podcast with her and her friend. And, um, Sick. Yeah, she's renting the studio, so she's in here every week now. And she actually doesn't give a fuck. Like she is a full on G that chick. Like you know, a yeah. lot of people. A lot of people say like, "Oh yeah, I don't give a fuck. I got no fucks to give." Like they give you that that old treatment. Yeah. But a lot of people do. And like she actually doesn't care. Like it's pretty sick watching her. You know, like you just watch someone move. Like the way that they deal with business and the way that they talk yep. about things, and you can just like pick up on. It's like that's how they operate. And she's one of those chicks. Yeah. Just like. Not many yeah, I figured, chicks operate I figured like that her. From, yeah, I figured that from listening to her and she was just like, yeah, she didn't give a fuck about anything, eh? Mm. Yeah. Not, I, like talking about the supercar racing and go-kart racing with all the dudes and shit. She'd like fucking, I like how she was like, yeah, I just tell the dads to fuck off and shit like that. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, I'm going to get Eddie on, dude. But um, yeah, yeah thanks, thanks so much for hanging out. We've, we've been wanting to do no one of these for a while. And I still want to get you in the studio at some point. Hopefully, yeah. yeah hopefully, when, when things get normal, bro. I'll I'll definitely make the trip over, and we'll we'll get in the get in the studio. Yeah, dude, I'd love that, and we'll do some riding and shit. I want to. Um, I'm keen to get back to New Zealand too as soon as possible. So, yeah, boy. Yeah, we'll we'll line it up when you come back over. Fucking night, boy. Sweet brother. Well, good good chatting to you, and uh, cheers cheers for that, eh? Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. No dramas, and I'll um I'll stay tuned on Saturday. I'll give you give you me uh give you some encouragement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking tune in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, legend. I'll talk to you soon. Sick. See you, bro. Bye. See you, bro.